Hi, Chris. How are you? Good evening, Rod. Yeah, here we go. Wake from sleep, episode 23. 23 for the 27th of June, 2022. It's coming around thick and fast. Always, always. The weeks go. Straight into follow-up, I think. So we had a little bit of homework combined with follow-up from last week. There's been another beta, which we'll come to in a little bit of time. We'll go into more detail. But you had to see if you could get the Nintendo Pro Controller working with A, your iPad, and B, with Apex Legends. So good news. I deleted my Pro Controller link and repaired it, fired up Apex Legends, and I was off to the races. And so I played a couple of games. Surprised I managed to shoot some people, which amazed me and didn't die. Really enjoyed it, actually. It was quite good. I did struggle a little bit just because I didn't know what any of the buttons were. And annoyingly, it showed icons on the screen for where you could tap the screen if you had on-screen controls. So it was like, oh, I've got my controller. I don't want to clutter the screen as well. But it seemed to play really well. Cranked up all the graphics. Yeah, I loved it. It was, it was really good. So I do like the Pro Controller. I think it's a really nice controller. I think out of all the controllers, I think it's PlayStation then the Pro Controller, and then the Microsoft Xbox Series S thing. That's In my quality stakes. That's in your estimation. That's not bad. I think I might actually put the Xbox One higher up. I prefer the layout of the sticks, you know, for where my thumbs lie on it. It just felt really cheap. I, I, I will say, if you're used to holding a PS5 controller and, and the quality of that, particularly with all the haptics and motors and, and sort of the trigger control in it, yeah, that's a really high-quality controller. And the Xbox One isn't isn't quite as well-constructed as that. But for the way I hold things, and I consider I've had every PlayStation going back to the first one, I'm very used to the DualShock and, and everything that came before it, 6-axis controllers, all that kind of stuff. And I do find the Xbox controller more comfortable in my hands than the PlayStation, but I agree with you, it's not as well-made. It's just not, it's, I don't know. And the, the PlayStation one's about 50 to 60 pounds in the UK. The Pro Controllers, when I bought them, about, depends where you get them, about 50 pounds. And then I, I think the Xbox one was the same sort of money. So they're all in the same ballpark. And I know Xbox do a premium 100 pound controller or whatever it is. But I don't know, I was just really disappointed with the Xbox one. Well, uh, you should try and have a look on Smith's or Amazon for how much an Xbox controller costs for the Series S or Series X at the moment, because you can't get them. Uh, it oh, seems, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking the other day, because also for Apex Legends, because uh, I'm using an old PS4 controller, when I go to run and run on that as you push down the left stick to make it run, it's stuttering. So I think there's the, the connections begun, begin to go on the on the PS4 controller. So I thought, I'll get another controller. And I, my immediate thing was, I'll get an Xbox one. And I couldn't find one on Amazon. They were all, couldn't be shipped, wait X months or pay an awful lot of money for it. So I went to Smith's Toy Stores, I had a look there online. And couldn't get one there either. So, uh, yeah, there's obviously a bit of a run on Xbox controllers, which means the consoles are probably available now, right? Is it a bit of a run, or is it just still shortage? A little column A, a little column B, I guess. It's, it's probably quite hard to say. I was talking to my friend in the office today, and he's trying to get hold of a PS5. Still hasn't got one. Yeah, I've seen that begin. They are becoming more available. You know, the, our, I, I our just assume they were widely available now, because but I'm not looking. No, it took me a year to get one, i got to say. So, you know, uh, there's obviously still shortages. I know Argos had some, but yeah, interesting. So I'm glad you got on well with Apex Legends. The icons and the screen thing's interesting. We're going to sort of bleed into gaming a bit here. But I quite like the fact that even though you're on a controller, you get things in the mobile game that you don't get in the full game. So, for example, it automatically picks things up for you. So when you, you know, stop at a loot box and you, and you go pick up a gun or something or the ammo, when you look at it, it picks up the same ammo as the weapon you've already collected. So you get three types of ammo, you get light and heavy, four types of ammo, light and heavy and shotgun. And all. If you picked up a shotgun, it'll automatically pick up shotgun ammo and automatically upgrade your weapon as well, which you don't get on the full version of the game. 
So I didn't need to just mash all the buttons and hoping that one of them would pick it up. No, the first time it'll do it, but after that, it sort of tries to keep in line with what you've got, what the weapon you've picked up. Okay, it was, it was good. I only played briefly at lunchtime today just to try it out. But nice, I enjoyed it and happy I could use my pro controller a bit more because I love that thing. No, that's great. And homework for both of us then is can we work at Game Center enough to have a game together at some point? That'll, that'll be something for the future. The thing I did find weird with the controller is if you push the home button, I thought it'd be like, pushing command h or globe h on the ipad and take me to the home screen but it didn't it brought up game center home i did not want to see that well no again nobody ever wants to see that <laughs> nope it was of no use to me good well i'm glad you got on with it my own little bit of apex feedback is i was i've been having a lot of fun with it i've been winning lots of matches i have lost a few now actually to be fair so it's not all one way with the controller there are other people out there with them you're one of them i tried to buy the battle pass which gives you sort of new skins and horse armor as some people say it doesn't stop you playing the game, but it gives you sort of cosmetics and stuff and new characters. And it ate my £10. Apple took the money. It didn't appear in the game. I don't know what my recourse is. Is it to Electronic Arts or the developers of the game or is it to Apple? I, I genuinely don't know what happens with that kind of in-app purchase. The money's gone out of my account, but it certainly doesn't appear from the game. So that's not great. Not a great experience. Not great is two questions. One, can you do restore purchases in the game? I don't know if they've got a button for that because you often see that when you've bought something and you've just reinstalled it. And two, I think you've got to get your refund through Apple because developers always say, we've got no control over refunds, Apple do it all. Yeah, uh, and in a way, it's quite a formative experience. It was £10, not not the end of the world, but at the same time, it was £10. So, you know, it's not like it's a 5p off uh, you know, that you've, you've dropped in the back of the fridge. So, you know, if you're a, a parent of a child who's really into the game or you're really into the game or something and you're giving your kids money to do this kind of thing and it's just vanishing in ether, that's not a great first-run experience. And I vaguely know what I'm doing with computery things. Vaguely. I, I had a similar experience. So we, uh, somebody's leaving our, our place of work and we had a gift card go around and I donated for you sign the gift card and you can do a donation. So I did that and it came back with an error and I was like, oh, it doesn't like it's taken £10 again, the money. So I gave, I thought I'll fill it out again and try and give another £10. And then it came up with an error and I, I thought I just gave up. And then I checked my bank statement a day later and it took £20 off me because it processed both transactions, but still demonstrated an error which suggested it hadn't taken any money. So I do, yeah credit cards are hard yeah it's not a great experience and you know because i have played the game on pc and playstation and xbox i've had the same experience not the same experience i've had the opposite experience where i've gone i want to buy the game pass and it's just worked microsoft's was the smoothest by far playstation store kicked me out to some external sort of purchasing thing and then back in again but it worked playstation is quite janky like that i think yeah again you look at these and the computer company apple has given the worst experience of all of them who claim to have the most secure, thorough payment system. So I just thought that was that's food for thought, really. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I would agree with that. PlayStation isn't great. Apple's normally all right. Normally, he says. I yeah. hate it having to double-click the button. Why do I have to double-click the power button? I don't know. It's, it can see your Why face. Can't can't click it? a button on the screen. Yeah. No, but I can click a button on the screen. Why has it got to be a hardware button for it then to see my face? That's the only button I don't get. Yeah, we've 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 got we've degenerated and whinging a little bit, but I think that's not uh, it, it's not a great experience. And I, and I agree with you. You know, restoring purchases and stuff like like uh, to subscribe to the newspaper. Occasionally, it goes. You're not subscribed to this, and I go no restore purchases, and it, it sees a subscription, and off you go. So it I, it bothers me that this particular transaction went wrong. Really. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Anyway, Beta 2 came out. So this is iOS 16 Beta 2 for all the devices. It came out on Tuesday, I want to say. Wednesday. We came out on Wednesday. We were expecting it on Monday, and then we're expecting it on Tuesday, and then it finally dropped on Wednesday night in the UK. And I think we both installed it on all of the things. Is that right? 
Yeah, I've got a watch, a TV, a Mac, an iPad, and an iPhone running it. So I'm 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 very much beat to up. Very good. So should we go through these sort of systematically and see if you've noticed any changes? Let's start with the easiest one, Apple TV. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, TVOS. Mm, I don't even have a running TVOS 16 at this point because there's no differences. So um, nothing to report there. It, it seems fine. Fair enough. Watch OS as well. Not a lot to report there. Nothing that... And I wear my watch every day, so nothing really to report that I've noticed on it. You tried a new um, face? The only, that, the only thing that seems broken now is it doesn't show the focus icon just shows do not disturb icon instead of like I have a work one and a family one and they're not appearing for whatever reason. I played with a couple of watch faces. I am generally disappointed with Apple's watch faces. I'm sorry. I usually just leave it on the same one because when you glance at your watch, you want everything to be in the same place. So you know where you're glancing if you just want to see the weather or you want to see the date or you want to see your activity rings. So not a lot to report on those two systems for me. I did install the Mac beer and I had a quick look at system settings and was disappointed with it. It just doesn't look right, does it? It looks rubbish. It does look rubbish. And I find finding anything even more difficult than it was before. I mean, it was bad before. Let's not get romanticized how wonderful system preferences was. I would spend all day looking for security and privacy or privacy and security. I think they've changed it around in, in one of them. And, and every time, and you know, I'd often go there a couple of times a day. I'd plug in a, a, a cabled connection as opposed to the Wi-Fi connection. I want to mess with a proxy. I want to allow Zoom to record my screen or whatever it is that comes along when you want to do something on these things. And every time I'd sit there looking for it and saying, I don't know where it is. So you would have thought that that sort of list view would make it better. But actually, I find myself getting lost in the in the detail menus to the right-hand side. Is this a toggle? Is this a label? Nothing is particularly clear to me for the way that it's laid out. I don't think it's a great experience. Uh, I completely agree. I went in earlier because I wanted to change my password of my Mac. And you scroll through the list on the left. And do you want users and groups, which is the one where it is? Or do you want touch ID or do you want passwords? It's just not obvious where you're going. So I just don't like it. And then when you get there, the screens all look naff. I agree. Previous system preferences was okay, but the screens were quite well laid out and designed in a thoughtful way. Whereas this just feels like, let's just let it auto lay it out. I just, I don't know, a bit disappointed. Yeah, I do understand it from a consistency point of view, that if you are used to a phone or an iPad, then that's the way the phone and the iPad do it. And I, and I presume it's a Swift UI view, so they can present this using common code across all the platforms. Fine. And, you know, I suppose if I took half a step back for a second, I don't think Windows has this right either. I mean, for a long time, Windows even had two system preferences. The old classic ones from the NT2000 days. And then when Windows was 8 came along, did it change the panel? When I think it was Windows. Yes. Yeah. Windows 8 came along and it, it gave you sort of for their metro interface, as was at the time, a whole different set of system preferences. So they finally managed to unify that, I think, to a large degree in Windows 11. But it's still not a great experience. And the Macs was better than that. But now I'd say they're probably as bad as each other based on, on the new system settings. Yeah, it's not a win, is it? It should be because they're taking something that's 20 years old and modernizing it. And it's just not as nicely laid out and thought of. Yeah, I mean, it probably goes back to, we've talked about this before, my first Mac was a System 8 Mac. And you, you had pref panes and things like that in System 8. And you could see the OS 10 days that were trying to sort of persist that sort of feeling to things. And, you know, how many years on now are we? 30 plus years on or something, 20 plus years on? You know, they've the, the finally changed to a slightly new layer. And it, that is going to take us time. And maybe it's just grumpy old men going, I don't like change, you kids get off my lawn. But it isn't as obvious to you as to me. And maybe, you know, maybe my kids would find it more easy, easier to get on with because they are used to this from their iPads and their phones. But it's, gonna, it's taken a bit of selling to me and hopefully it will improve as the beat is going. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also don't like the about this Mac view. They've changed that now into the, the skinny one. Was actually quite like what they had before. It's, it feels like it's gone back to what it was before the one we had when we moved to California names. Mm. You know, like where you, where you just had a little skinny, this is just the version you've got. Like, again, I kind of get why they're doing it, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it feels like a regression. I think yeah. it's fair to say. So for me on the Mac, and I'm sure there'll be other things you'll have noticed as you've gone through it, is that it has improved some of the little problems I was having with bugs around notification center things particularly. Notification would pop up, calendar reminder or something, it would beach ball, it would sit there, you couldn't dismiss the reminder, even if you were full screen in another app and it like remote desktop into another computer or something like that, they would stack up on the right-hand side and not be dismissible, which was a complete pain. That's fixed in the new beta, you can at least get through it. I find it a little laggy still to go into Notification Center or to go and try and change focus or use the continuity camera or something like that. But other than that, I'd say it's been fairly solid as betas go, apart from the things we've discussed that we don't like about it. To be honest, as with the last two versions of macOS, there's big things just need fixing, like Notification Center was broken when it came out in Big Sur. They didn't improve it with Monterey, and I still don't like the notifications in, in Ventura. So I think there's a more systemic problem here, and then when you have bugs in it too, it's more of a problem. But at least it doesn't beach ball on me anymore. But other than that, really hand on heart, I can't see much difference between this version of the operating system and the last version of the operating system. The continuity camera's nice, and, and the betas just seems more stable. But that's where we should be though, isn't it? Little and often mature updates. It's a very mature platform. I've barely used it, so I'm not one to talk. I occasionally just, I use it sometimes to dabble, sometimes to upgrade my camera firmware to keep a backup of all my photos. So I'm not really a hardcore Mac user. It's, it's, it's a good thought though. You've made me, you made me sort of take think a couple of thoughts about that. There has been so much changed in the last few years when they went from 32-bit to 64-bit from Intel only to, to Apple Silicon binaries. A lot has changed under the skin, you know, that uh, that we've just accepted. And it's funny, I, we might talk about this in the show as it goes on, but I've been reinstalling an older MacBook, a 12-inch MacBook today, which is a 1.2 gigahertz Intel i3, possibly i5. It's some very low-power chip anyway. And that's a 2016 machine. It is dog slow dog slow it's at least nine to ten seconds from clicking the apple menu to just seeing the system preferences screen it is amazing what version of mac os does it run well i've just put monterey on it but it came so we'll, okay so we'll run monterey yeah yeah it'll run monterey but i think it came a catalina i want to say it came a catalina i can't remember all the names i kind of <laughs> wish they went to numbers at this point i used to be really good at the names but now. The, the big cats were more meaningful but yeah but but just doing that's been quite good for me to see the progress we've actually made in terms of speed and reliability and a lot of that is the hardware inside apple silicon is a quantum leap really compared to what we had with intel machines they're so much cooler you know as i sit recording this on this i7 mac mini and i look at the temperature sitting at 90 degrees as we record a podcast but yeah, it's 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 a different league it's an absolutely different league and i think for all i criticize the operating system for not looking different underneath the skin there's been huge strides forward in the way that it works and it is better and yet we've got to put up with the old gremlin we wouldn't be true apple fans i guess if we didn't have something to complain about really but yeah overall i think it's very impressive i do not regret one iota selling both my intel machines last year and replacing with m1s even though i don't use mine a huge amount my wife wasn't asking for a new laptop but getting rid of the intel ones and moving purely to apple silicon i'm so pleased we did it yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think we can move on. What about, we'll do iPhone next. I know you'll want to save the iPad till the end. So uh, how have you found the beta 2 of the uh, iPhone? I can change my wallpaper a lot better than I could 
which is great and it's not as hot and draining the battery so quickly so i think it's really good yeah I, i'd go with, i'd go with that too it seems to be running a bit cooler the battery drain is still higher than it was but not as bad as it you know was in beta one and the biggest change for me is that i get a little green spot on the on the background that i've chosen for where i am in the world so there's a little green spot on the uk on my particular chosen live desktop background thing other than that it's good it's working fine a couple of apps won't run but the same ones that wouldn't run before seem stable i didn't like the ones where you see where you are just because you were really zoomed out mm -hmm. When I tried it, I thought, wouldn't that look a lot better if it was zoomed in? I agree, you could zoom in a bit, but I quite like as you sort of work your way through them, it zooms further out. So you start with roughly where you are, so it's Europe for us, really. And then you go to the right and it's the world, and you go to the right and it's the moon, and then it's zoomed out from the moon, and then the next one's the solar system. And I presume that's a live solar system, so you're watching the planets move around each other in, in their orbits as they go, which I thought was quite clever, actually. If you want that, I guess you're not going to see the orbits changing that much. It takes a long time, I suspect, for Mars to go around the sun as opposed to for us to go around the sun. No, but yeah, quite impressed with that. I think it's great. They've done some really good things, having a bit of fun with it. You can change the fonts and the colors. I've got a photo on my background and I've got a color filter on it, and I think it looks all right. It's a bit of fun. And I, I kind of thought actually I could do my work one with a work color on it so I know when I'm at work and then then have like a family photo for when I knock off work kind of thing. So I, I think it's quite good. I love they've tied it into focus modes. I love I can have some widgets, you know, so I'm keeping on share price whilst we're at work and I can see what the weather's going to do and how I'm getting on with my rings. I, I think it's really good on the whole, like everything they've done. But the, for a beta too, really impressed with it. I've got no real grumbles with how the phone's operating at all. Yep, I agree. Good. Okay. My feedback for iPadOS is that I installed it on my iPad. It still pretty much looks like the same version. Of, I don't see a lot of difference on the version of the iPad I've got anyway. The clock looks a little bit different. I can mess with the screens. Other than that, I'm not really seeing an awful lot of difference. So I'll let you give iPad feedback. I think Beta 2 was very anticlimactic in that I'd hope there was going to be loads of stuff. It's just Stage Manager would be great. And they've done basically nothing. So a bit disappointed. The only thing they've changed is you can turn on Stage Manager, not just in Control Center now, but there's a setting in the Settings app under Home home screen basically and you can go turn it on so it's great they've done that but they haven't done any actual it doesn't feel like they've done any real mechanics you can now do a few shortcut keys to you know full screen and minimize an app but it's just disappointing the one thing that has cheesed me off a little bit is they seem to be mixing between using the globe key and the command key and i think sure if i'm doing something with the window you could do all that with the globe key if you're going that way and it's global and then if it's within an app surely then that's when you use the command key like i want to copy some text in an app so i think they need to sort that out but there's literally no updates it's still crashing you still can't command tab it's got all the same bugs it had before sometimes it struggles with the focus of where the keyboard should be and which which window and stuff it is great it's got all the hallmarks it just needs that refinement and now maybe maybe there's a bigger shoe to drop on beta 3 and they didn't really put much of the you know the core stage manager updates out yet because they're still working on it which is fine but i was hoping to see a bit more because it clearly needs so much doing to it but it's looking great i love the premise of it the only thing i was thinking was i wonder why they didn't do stage manager first as a release like 16.0 and then do external monitor coming later in 16.1 you know have they bitten off too much at once 
Well, they've got the studio display and I guess quite iPad owners like yourself have probably bought one. So maybe they just felt that they had to. I, you've amused me slightly as you were saying there. It's nice to see the promise of it, but maybe all the furore about you know why doesn't this work on older iPads means they've gone back and they're looking at the code to see if they... I know they won't. That's a joke. But. You never know, though. That would really annoy me if they spend like the last couple of weeks going, oh, let's just go back and try it on the A whatever Z. They're not doing actual work just to ship the basic functionality that they've already teased us with. But it, it is amazing. I think actually Upgrade summed up really well in that it's not just doing stage manager on the iPad. It's actually putting a whole windowing system onto the iPad. And so, like I say, they've got to do windowing, they've got to do stage manager and make it then work with an external screen. That, that is a massive engineering feat to buy off to do in one release. I do wonder whether we, they should have done a bit more of an iterative step. But consumer, we were two and a bit years ago at the start of the pandemic where we didn't even have pointer support. I'm hopeful we've come such a long way. If they can get this right this year, that'll be a cracking platform for me. No, it's good. And again, I said last week, I'm glad that they're pushing it forward. I tried to use Stage Manager on my Mac for about an hour today just to sort of really give it a fair crack of the whip to see if it could work in the mode. And initially I thought, oh, I quite like this. I can group things. I've got my communications things or I'm doing a bit of research. I've got a web browser and a word processor open and I'm going back and forth between those things. I'm doing my referencing. Great, great, great. I thought I need a screenshot of this to put into this, this report I'm doing. Took the screenshot all right, how do I get, it's it's in that window over there. How do I bring that one up? And it wasn't intuitively obvious for me. Whereas once upon a time, it appears in your desktop, or in my case, I use Screen Capture X. I drag it out of that, I drop it in the app and off you go. And it wasn't talking to the way, it wasn't working the way I expected it to. So I, there's a cognitive dissonance or a way of learning that I think just, I'm too used to using Windows the way that I use them. It just, it wasn't natural. But who knows? You know, if I start to use an iPad a little bit more that's got it and you get your head around it, maybe it's a sensible way of working. But I absolutely see the promise of being able to do something with your iPad that wasn't before and having groups of windows together and being able to resize them and working in that mode. Because I'd say for 75% of the things I wanted to do, I got it, you know? I think for me, there's no other way of doing it on the iPad. So you've got to use it, haven't you? So actually, I will probably end up using it on the iPad all the time. And then I'll probably turn it on the Mac just because I can work on the Mac occasionally exactly how i work on my ipad i'm not being funny at this point if they released a better version of xcode on my mac on my ipad i probably wouldn't even need a mac at this point scandalous. because i just like have my mac just to noodle around with that scandalous okay on that bombshell i think we should move on that's been quite a lot of follow-up really let's move on to news and rumors then and again as with last week it's mostly news this week we're not seeing much in the way of rumors which isn't surprising because everybody's getting their teeth into the software and seeing what's out there so yeah, first story, and this is this is quite an interesting one, really. I mean, it's not the bane of the internet. I think the bane of the internet are, are GDPR warnings and cookie warnings and all the rest of it as you visit websites. Cookies, cookies, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that maybe that'll be the what next you need thing. when you open your web browser for the first time is going. There will be cookies. Tick this box to never ever hear about cookies ever again. I'm always amused. I think it's the website Rock Paper Shotgun that pops up a cookies thing and says, "You don't really care about this, do you? Just click accept or something like that." You know, it's words to that effect, and they're absolutely right. Yeah, it's pointless, frankly. Totally pointless. Anyway, what we're talking about in this case is iOS 16 has a setting that lets you bypass capture, and capture is the little things that when you try and visit a website or log in. It fires up six to nine pictures, typically from Google, saying, please point out the bridge or pick out the motorcycles in this picture or traffic. Stop lights, cars, yeah. zebra yeah. crossings. And it's really time consuming. It's extremely boring. We're fed up of doing it. And now there's a way, there's possibly a way around it in the next version of iOS. Great. 
Let me log in a bit quicker if you know it's me. I'm happy with that. One interesting take, though, from, again, the Upgrade podcast was, have you noticed how all the Google ones are car-related? Are they using it to train their AI to spot traffic lights, zebra crossing, so on and so forth? So they, they, will they end up losing their crowdsourcing of artificial intelligence? Maybe, but uh, yeah, I think they've got so many people using their maps that it probably wouldn't take very much for them to get something else, you know, out there. I mean, we were talking about, is it live view? When you come out of a tube station, you get a 3D view of, of what the Apple have introduced. You know, it wouldn't take- I would love that because I am rubbish when I come out of a tube station. I have no idea where I'm going. It wouldn't take much for them to pop an overlay over going, can you confirm this is a traffic light, <laughs> you know, as you walk out of the tube station? And people would, I mean, I'm I'm almost socialized on YouTube to saying, oh, just quick answer one of your stupid surveys just to get it out of the way and I move on. So I, I suspect if Google really needed that sort of human verification from machine learning, there's something else they could find to do it. How often did Google change the T's and C's on YouTube? Every That's what they need to build into iOS. We just ought to accept the T's and C's on YouTube because they keep changing it whenever I go. I'm not a big YouTube person, by the way. <laughs> um, I, do you know what, though? I think this capture thing's great because it's just a quality of life improvement. And to be fair to Apple, with the past keys piece, with this, they're doing some really good quality of life improvements. I think it's great to see them knocking some of these things down that pee people off. So I think it's great. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's interesting that they've had to go and work with the two big sort of DNS providers or CDNs, at, you know, Fastly and Cloudflare, who are the people who sort of underlie a lot of the internet. In fact, Cloudflare had a huge DNS outage earlier in the week. I think it was on Monday morning that most of the internet went down because Cloudflare had, Cloudflare had a DNS problem. And that affected things like Discord, it affected the register website, it affected podcast editing websites, The Verge, all these things actually rely on Cloudflare to, for, for their uptime. And DNS, if you don't know, is domain name service. So all computers have an IP address, a bit like a license address for where they are, but instead of it having to go to 1.1.1.1, instead it knows to go to cloudflare.com or the register.com or you know whatever a website is. So the DNS is sort of the more readable name that is attached to the IP address. So when Cloudflare went down, it couldn't resolve any of those names and it caused a huge amount of problems for about 20 minutes, but Twitter stayed up and Twitter was not impressed. <laughs> I, I didn't even know this was a thing. I did know that EE went down. Yeah on Thursday and it was a night no Wednesday apologies in the UK and that was causing us some issues in the office because we were trying to get our MFA codes through to log into something and we couldn't get them because we couldn't get text messages through yeah I would hate to be an engineer in one of those teams trying to resolve those issues but yeah a company the size of Cloudflare which no joke, I'd say at least 30-40% of the internet runs on. I'll make sure it's in the show notes as well for the outage. It just impacts so much of what we do today, really. So, yeah, very interesting. Anyway, back to the point, is that you've got to work with these underlying companies that provide sort of the, the, the authenticity and trust of websites and who's accessing websites, people like Cloudflare, to, to work with. So it's good that they're having the conversations with these companies. It's good, I agree with you, that they're sort of pushing it along a little bit. That If I can see a few less stoplights in my time to agree to get into a website, I'm down with it. Agreed. Good. So that was that one. The next story is about HomePod beta management. So this is actually being able to manage the the software on your HomePod or certainly uploading the versions of it from your phone. Because at the moment, it's a bit of a dark art, I'd say, knowing what version of firmware it's running on or what's going on with it. Yeah, I I think this is good. I'd be interested. This is the first year you can install betas outside of being asked by Apple to install betas on your HomePods. So I'd be interested to do this. I've betaed everything else in my life. Why wouldn't I do my HomePods just just to get everything there? So I think this is good. You can manage it. I often end up going into Home App, going to update on my HomePods, and it doesn't seem to know which HomePods have got what on, and there's like a mixture in there. You kind of have to keep just forcing it to update. So I think this is good. 
Yeah, I've, I, f- I do find it mysterious how updates are managed to devices like HomePods and AirPods and all these, you know, these devices that don't have an immediate upgrade path. I know how to do it in the sense that I visit the HomePod, I click on the thing, you find the little wheel somewhere that, you know, the settings icon thing, you click on it and eventually it'll get the idea that it might be a software update, which is why you're looking for it and it goes and does it. Either I don't want to care at all and it should be really fast and you should it should just be updated and you've got new features available, or they should have had an app like this from the outset so you could see what was going on, what version was on, and, and to keep track of what's happening. Or at least it could alert you and go, hey, your HomePod's been updated. Something like that needs to happen. I think they're trying to live the ph- philosophical dream of, oh, we just deliver the updates for you. I think they need to care for both markets. They need the market of people that don't care, but just want it to be kept up to date. And then people like you and I, where we do want to force the update on there because we want to want to go noodle around with it. So I think this is good. I'm looking forward to trying it out. Hoping they might do something about my studio display at the same time, because surely there's going to be iOS 16. Will it allow me to use the camera with my iPad is the question. That would be exciting. I mean, it is, a, it is a fact that you need to worry about. I mean, most people don't care that their AirPods are running a version of the firmware that's behind. But I know when the spatial audio came out, everybody wanted their, uh, their AirPods updating to be able to run it. So some button you could push somewhere to say, hey, just check that would make people very happy, I think. That's all it has to be. And even if it just gave some instruction of like, oh, you need to stick your AirPods on charge and then click this button kind of thing. And actually, just before the show started, apparently there's an update coming out for the AirPods Max where it's going to have a better Bluetooth codec, and that's in the beta version. And part of me was like, oh, should I go and try the beta on my AirPods? And I was like, oh, no, actually, they're working really well. I don't want to tempt fate. You know, maybe, maybe we can be taught, eh? Good. Okay. I mean, interesting feature. Glad it's coming. I don't think it's world. It's not world-changing, but good to know. Yep. Next piece of news are about iOS 16 is going to let you sort messages by SIM. And i got to say I dismissed this story because I thought, what's that? That doesn't seem very interesting. Sort by SIM. But a little bit of reading made me realize it's a lot more interesting than that. Yeah, this looks quite good. I did actually have a read of this earlier in that you've got to turn on filters in settings and basically it allows you to filter unknown senders and known senders. And then you'll be able to filter by the SIM card in your phone. I've never used two SIM cards. But it does feel like they've slowly just been chipping away in the background. And I th- it does feel like they're really trying to do the work life, home life split with all the changes to how you can share tabs and email accounts and you know turn them off for focused modes and i think they're trying to do something similar here with messages so you you can just hide your work text messages i think it's fantastic it's, really yeah, good. it's a good idea you still see lots of people carrying two phones you know they've got the work iphone on their home iphone or their android phone or whatever and most of them choose an iphone i think for for their home phone but the ability to have two sim cards in it and know that no this is a work related thing because that contacts in this diary or however the filtering uh, is established is a good idea you think you'd want to go further than just text messages though i mean you already can i suppose by email and things but that mode which you've talked about already with focus mode being i'm at home now my home screen changes you know all the delivery of everything related to your home would be far better when you're in that mode you know rather always than chaining it by sim card but i think it's they're all steps in the right direction aren't yeah, def- definitely steps in the right direction. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it all goes. I don't think you can do it for phone calls. Like, could you go like six o'clock at night? I don't want to have any mobile phone calls anymore. Yeah, you, you would have thought that that would be possible as well. You, you can already bar people, and you know, after midnight, only these phone numbers can come through my do not disturb when I'm asleep. So you would have thought an extra rule just needs to be added and they originate for the SIM card. You, thought, you would have thought something would be possible. It's just another filter, isn't it? I mean, I get so few phone calls. 
<laughs> it's not really an issue for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Although our work phones are now all Zoom. They've taken all our desktop phones off us. And so it's Zoom the app on your phone or it's Zoom uh, on, on the computer. So there isn't really that sort of distinction, which is interesting. Yeah, I've looked into that. We're just not culturally ready for it yet. Well, during uni- working in construction, universities, you know, those fast moving organizations that they are. Anyway, moving swiftly along, the next one, and these are all iOS 16 features, which I find interesting. That not, I don't remember many of these being talked about during the keynote or subsequently, but this has only become apparent when the new betas come out. And there's lots of these little features beginning to appear. This one is the iOS 16 and macOS Ventura combat email spoofing with support for verified brand logos. So you would see your bank's logo if it was a known email address. The idea being you get quite a lot of spam emails from companies pretending to be your bank. But if you look to the email address that it was originating from, it might have com. so it's obviously not your bank but it's quite easy to fall for these kinds of scams if the actual emails if they're written in sufficiently good english that you know it could be a legitimate email at the first glance of it and it's you know as older people and less uh, computer savvy people look at these things and even quite computer savvy people can be caught out by them i think it's just quite a nice thing to throw up a little extra verification in your email that it, that it is from a reputable company yeah, I was actually quite interested in this one at work. We're encouraging everybody to upload their photo to their work email. So it's more a lot more obvious when we get one externally of somebody pretending to be an employee because it will stand out a lot more because it won't have their picture next to it. And so I was interested in this to see how they're doing it because obviously that's going to be a risk to us of will people try and spoof your photo off LinkedIn or something. But we are trying to drive that culture of upload your photo. Not only do we mark the email as external, but if it's got your picture next to it, we can definitely see it's an internal one because people still, even though all the training we've done, they still will get somebody going, oh, can you release this payment? Can you change my bank account details? And they, they don't question, oh, look, it's not from their work email address. It says external all over it and they don't think to question it or pick up the phone. And so we're trying to work out ways of, trying to just improve that internal culture so i uh, interest in this and it looks good but again it's only good if people can't spoof it yeah again l- small steps but all in the right direction and when you think about the, the totality of this you know the filtering by this sim the focus modes for when you're at work or, or you're at home and and the passcode passcode pass keys that they're building at the operating system at a fairly fundamental level and then capture it you know they are making it more secure and for a long time they've been saying apple you know iphones and ipads and, and macs are the more secure operating systems to use they should be more trustworthy of course they're not invincible they're not invulnerable things like the pegasus spyware shows that up it's good to see it's just steps in the right direction yeah, definitely, definitely. And then the next thing you put in is um, some iOS, iOS 16 features are for an iPhone XS or newer, or yeah. 10s or newer. That's quite interesting because they didn't make much about this, but they've actually got more granularity in here than I realised. There's quite a few feature features for the 10s. There's one feature for the 11 or later, and then there's even a couple of features for the 13 or newer. I think that's the first time we've really had that much granularity. I think it's good in a way that they're doing things... And you only get them if you've got a newer device. They're not holding on to it till next year or the year after. But it's quite interesting to see. So some examples where you need a 10S or newer is live text and videos, quick actions in live text, new languages in live text, emoji, discover Siri capabilities, I don't even know what that is. The new dictation where you can type and dictate at the same time. Um, I don't get why adding medications to your iPhone camera. I guess that's something to do with the camera. Image search and more apps, visual lookup improvements, and the astronomy wallpaper. So I think that's quite interesting that you need a 10S or newer, but like I said, I quite like they're doing it and not just holding the features until the phone, until the minimum phone is quick enough for the whole OS. So 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's you know, and they're not obsoleting it, and they're maintaining the security patches, and they're doing all that stuff. So we've quite often said, you know, five years worth of software updates for your phone or more is is more than good enough, and certainly more than you get with other operating systems. So if they can't run all these features effectively or well, then absolutely don't put them in there. But they're not spoiling the operating system as a consequence, are they? Reminds me a bit of M1 Gate from last week. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I found a feature on my iPhone camera I didn't even know was there t- till very recently. I took a picture of a flower. I didn't know what the flower was. And I happened to go into photos and look at it. And there was a little eye in the corner. And I clicked the eye. And my iPhone told me what the flower was. I thought, I didn't know it could do that. I didn't know it could do that either. But I had seen something recently about that. And I thought, that's just quite cool. Because I would use that quite a bit. Is, I knew Google Photos could do it because I've done it before. I took a picture of my dog and it told me it was a dog, which was which was really useful. It told me what sort of dog it was, but it's a start. It's good that it recognizes what a dog is. Well, you'd, you'd hope it now with all this AI they, they keep talking about. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be the new hot thing. So the next story is our perennial favorite, a little bit of uh, review material about the M2 MacBook Pro. So we've already said we don't care about the M2 MacBook Pro, but we are quite interested in the M2 itself. And this is just a story on what the speed increases are between the M1 MacBook Pro and the M2 MacBook Pro. Yeah, I, sorry, my iPad just crashed again. Every time you click a link in pages, it, it, it black screens and does a little spinny thing. It's not a full reboot. It's like a soft reboot. So apologies for my delay. Joy of the beta life. No, this is good. I mean, it's what you'd expect. Iterative chip in the Mac. It's great they're doing their Mac upgrades every year. Bring it on. Keep up, you know, upgrade all your product lines once a year with the new hotness. Why? Why can't we have that now, please? With you, it's a good thing. They're saying it's sort of 12 to 15% increase across the board on the M1. I think that's pretty solid. By the time we get to the M1 Maxes, Pros, and Ultras, we're going to see some really quite impressive stuff from this. Wait till we see the Mac Pro. I reckon the Mac Pro is going to be an M2, whatever the whatever they're doing, Ultra 2. They're going to stick something, they're going to stick two Ultras in it, aren't they? So I, I'm interested. I'd never buy it. It's never going to be for me, but it'd be great just to see it. What can you do? Yeah, I want to know what that machine is that differentiates it from an, a studio, a Mac studio. It's about twice the price. Well, <laughs> that's that is going to differentiate. That is quite a differentiator. But the differentiator between the Mac Pro now and the Mac Studio is I can stick thing, you know, cards, expansion cards into it. I don't see with, with Apple Silicon that there is that room or need in many cases for, for expansion cards. Agreed, unless it's more storage and could it operate twice though? I think it'll be twice twice the chip. So it'll be two ultras because that's what ATP we're talking about. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we will see. I, I think it'll be more than twice the price. I do wonder though, if by Christmas we can have all the M2s out. So I wonder, because they said they do the Intel transition within two years. Are we going to go, we've got the M2 out now. Are we going to get a refresh Pro Max, you know, in the MacBook Pros? And then are we going to get, a, are we going to get a new studio? And then are we going to get a, are we going to get the Mac Pro for the end of the year? I wonder if they can do the whole lot. We will see. We will see. I mean, it's good to see that the chip has got this headroom in it. And like I say, there's, there's more to come in the M line of chips, isn't there? Both on the iPad, I'm sure, you know, and on the Mac. And it's great to see. I wonder if we'll get, start getting M series chips in the phones. That would be in the pro phones. You could see it. It's Whoever a, came up there with the idea of making their own chips, man deserves a medal. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing. Or, the full lady or lady, absolutely. No, it's it's it was very wise, and and the optimization they're able to do with running, you know, Swift and and C sharp, not C sharp. Yes, C sharp, and no, it's not. What's the Apple one? C Swift. 
No, but the older one. Oh, Objective C. Objective C. My, my yeah, my my Microsoft brain took over slightly there. Objective C and and Swift and and the point is the chips are optimized for running that mode of code, so it doesn't matter. So that's why we get all these benefits as well as them being faster and cooler and having all the rendering fancy rendering rendering engines in them. Is you get the code optimizations as well, which an Intel chip or an AMD chip, an x86 chip, I should say, is optimized for everything. You know, anything. It's a very general purpose workhorse. Whereas Apple have been able to sort of be really refine it for what it would need to do. They're building it for their products. They know what, what we're going to do with it. They write the OS. It, they're just owning the stack. The thing I'm looking forward to is when they start shipping their own 5G modems. Because I do notice when I use 5G, my battery does drain significantly. Now, I've only got the iPhone 12, but it does dip quite a lot and i know in your in the iphone 13 they put a bigger battery and improved the modem and the 5g piece so i am looking forward to that so i'm hoping that's i don't know if that's this year or next year but i hope that's that's coming around the corner well if it coincides with there being more 5g availability and not just the odd patch that i see in, in in the wilds of wales here then we'll see how that goes i'm generally seeing a lot more it's not everywhere nowhere near but a lot lot more i do get annoyed though when we talk about all this rolling out 5g and then you end up with periods where you get nothing and that does frustrate me and i'm really noticing the car because i stream a lot of music in the car and it's like come on can't we just get 4g everywhere right now i'll take that yeah good stuff okay next story and there's only two left for us here so we're we've, there's been like i say there's been a lot of news this week a developer at took the room plan API and built a little application for it. And the, the embedded link will be in the show notes if people want to see it for themselves. And in the video, so the room plan API is using the LiDAR camera, so sort of a depth sensing camera, to, to be able to model what a room is. And basically, the, the developer stands in the middle of his bathroom, turns around relatively quickly, and it builds a 3D, a pretty good, not a great, but a pretty good 3D model of his bathroom really, really quickly. And if you've tried these kinds of things before, there's a couple of apps for iPhones where you could sort of walk, put your iPhone in the center of a wall, move on to the next wall, center of that wall, and it would draw your room and give you sort of the dimensions in meters or feet or whatever for your room. But this is sort of a step above that, really, for its ability to just, you know, stand there, spin around, and you've got your room. Fair enough, he's in a bathroom, and it doesn't show the sort of depression in the bathtub to give you an idea that it is a bathtub. It just looks like a, like a box in the room. But I was thoroughly impressed with how quickly and how effectively it drew his room, even with things which are hard for for cameras and, and this kind of thing, like mirrors. It, they generally don't know what to do with mirrors cameras, and it, it, it coped beautifully with that. It's amazing. Like, you just watch it slowly draw out the 3D model. It's brilliant. Like, what? like whoever's come up with this, like, for version one, that's pretty neat. I think yeah. it's very clever. It's very, very clever. But you could see with you these possible AR VR glasses that you know you you do that room modeling and then when the user's wearing the glasses it knows where the walls are so as you start walking around interacting with your AR VR you're not going to smack into the wall it's going to know where to stop you so you don't need to put external cameras like uh, I think it's the HTC Vive has got external cameras on the VR thing so you don't walk into the wall as you're waving your lightsaber and in your game it does look awesome I'm really looking forward to it I'm worried about VR I've never done it and AR am I going to get queasy because I do get quite Crazy. Did so you, I'm, I worry whether that would be an issue for me. Did you not have a PSVR for your PS4? No? Never had a PS4. Good grief. I'm sure you did have a PS4 for about a week. I I had young children instead. <laughs> well, so, I, um, yeah. I am going to get it for the PS5 unless it's crazy money or hard to get hold of. So my most of my VR experiences come from the PSVR. And all I kept thinking was, my eyesight's not great these days. It's not what it was, is that this is too blurry. And even then it was too blurry. And I think there were, it's less than 720p screens that are, I think, in the original PSVR. 
And it's just a horrible experience, frankly. I think we've all been spoiled, though, haven't we? We've all got such amazing TVs because 4K is pretty affordable, I'd say. You know, so it's, if I look at anything other than 4K now, you can tell it a mile off. Yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, it's a cool demo. I'd advise anybody listening to go and have a quick look at it because it's, it's really quite an impressive thing. And you think that the implications for to- for technology like that built into our applications to be able to do it so quickly for lots of reasons, and not just for IKEA to be able to place furniture. I think there's a lot there's a lot to come there, isn't there? Yeah, this is early days, isn't it? You can see this is going to iterate year on year. Absolutely. And then the last story, which is just a bit of fun, really, is that Mail Merge has returned to the Pages application after a nine-year absence. Which is, I wonder why they brought it back. I get why they took it away, because they unified the code base. So when Pages came out, it was on the Mac. They then brought Pages out on the iPad, and it was all separate. And then they, at some point, nine years ago, they merged it all into one code base, which I get why you would do it. And then for whatever reason, we've survived nine years without Mail Merge, and they finally brought it back. I personally haven't missed it, but I get why they've done it. No, fair enough. You know, other things support it. There was an application at work we used. It was very slow. That did actually require word mail merge to send to a few, well, tens of thousands of people, actually. So I, I know the power of mail merge and I know the pain of mail merge. But, you know, if you need it just to send your Christmas card list out, great. It should be there. Yeah, it's, it's great they've done it. You can even do it on your phone. I do like the iWork suite, personally. I think it's really good. I only use it for personal stuff, but I would use it all the time if I didn't have to work in microsoft land <laughs> well we, we're both getting on a little bit of pages these days as our show notes are all in pages you know living that apple lifestyle so yep good okay moving mm-hmm. on i think a very short topic this week actually media and we talked about this a little bit last week but paramount plus is now available in the uk and isn't it on the app store homepage every time i've gone to the app store this week yeah they've obviously paid a lot of money to make it obvious that paramount plus is in the uk I did read a little write-up of a UK perspective on why you might want Paramount+. Plus. And there's a couple of shows on there, but it's it's a very US bias to what's going on. So something called Yellow Jackets and something called Yellowstone, I think, which is confusing. Both of which are meant to be very, very good shows. But the conclusion was, there's not enough there yet, unless you're a Star Trek fan. If you're a Star Trek fan, go and get it now. But even then, there's a couple of weird little quirks in it. So two of the most recent shows that, that are Star Trek shows that have come out are Picard. So if you've ever watched Star Trek The Next Generation, popular culture now knows that Captain Picard, John Luke Picard, is a thing, Patrick St- played by Patrick Stewart. That series isn't available there, presumably because of licensing rights with Amazon, because Amazon show it in the UK and around the world. And neither is Lower Decks, which is an animated thing about not well-known characters, and that's also not there. And that also happens to be a show on Amazon. And I think that doesn't look great. You know, if you're Paramount and you own the rights to it and you're trying to launch a global channel for your brand and Star Trek is the sort of major thing on your brand, surely you should have all of the shows. Yeah, this is that legacy, isn't it? When they've sold the rights off beforehand. I think, isn't it like Friends or something is on Netflix and then I'm trying to put, you know, stop all those sorts of things. But it's, they've got to wait for these legacy commercial deals to expire. I guess, or buy their way out of them. And maybe it's not financially viable to do it. I'm not looking for Paramount Plus right now. I've got, I'm behind on everything. So I'll, I'll have a look at it at some point. I'll probably sign up for a free demo when there's something of interest for me. That's normally what I do. Or I get it for a month, watch what I want, and then cancel. Yep, fair point. I think it gives you seven days free if somebody's keen to try it. And then it's the same as Disney. It's six ninety nine a month in the UK. So of the two, I think I'm going to stick with Disney for the moment. If something Star trek comes along, because I am a huge Star Trek fan, I'll I'll get it at that point, but I feel no great compunction to do it right now. Yeah, same. We kind of need somebody to agree, like with Disney and Paramount and that, just to all bundle them together. Can I get a, a streaming bundle, please? 
Yeah, isn't that what the Apple TV was going to be doing to us? Or at least TVOS was going to be doing for us? That's Steve thought he'd crack TV by making it apps, but it hasn't worked out well. You crack TV so much they don't even need to mention it, WWDC. Yeah, or you can, can't tell the difference in the operating system. Anyway, moving along. And our second story is that the season finale of the Obi-Wan show it was released on Wednesday. I haven't watched it yet. I'm up to episode three and I'm planning to work on that next. Still enjoying it? Yeah, no, it's great. I just, it's fitting it in. So now they're all out, I'm going to go for it, I think. Yeah. Um, I have caught up on Full Mankind and now I need to catch up on Obi-Wan. Fantastic. i tell you what is interesting is independently, both my children have started working their way through the Star Wars movies again, both of them from the start. You know, I caught, I caught them both watching The Phantom Menace in different rooms yesterday. And, and I think exams are over now. They're, one of them is up to Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Busy uh, day. Yeah, and the and the other one's only on. Oh, is it not Attack of the Clones? The one after it, uh, Return of the Sith. Return of the Sith. So uh, yeah, Revenge of the Revenge Sith. of the Sith. So it's it's actually great to see that Obi Wan has inspired them to go back and watch the films again. Yeah, I really want to do Star Wars with my kids, but I've tried a few times. They're just not that into it. Maybe I need to try again. I think it's time to try. Time to try again. It's interesting with my kids that you know it was their uh, child of the seventies that I am, eighties maybe. <laughs> Star Wars was the thing, but for my kids, it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter is the thing that they love more than anything. Yep, my son had Harry Potter term at school, and they learned loads of stuff about Harry Potter, which was interesting. But he loved it. Did they read or did they watch? A bit of both. Oh. So they did all read the book. He's he's read the met. He's read a few of the books anyway, and he's seen all the films. So and he's got some of the Lego. And we've been to Harry Potter World. So very much in his wheelhouse. Fair enough. Good. Okay. And that's it for media. I think. On to games then, Chris. And you've written back to GT Seven in the notes. Yeah, weirdly, games seems to be about me this week. But I have gone back to GT Seven. Been having a few water cooler conversations with some colleagues at work, and they remind me a how great GT Seven is. And then B, I'd completed Uncharted 4 and 4.5 with my family. And I was like, oh, it's great to complete a game. So I want to get to the credits in GT7. So I've, I've reloaded it. I've started doing a few more of the coffee, coffee book menus. I can't think what they're called. Anyway, I'm, I want to get to the credits. So I feel a bit inspired. Well, as you know, I got to the credits in GT7, but I think they've released a few menu books since. I haven't gone back. That's my understanding. They have released a few extras and there's some more cars. There's, they've done lots of updates, to be fair. Obviously, it's massive online. I've definitely got my money's worth out of it because my son has played it to death, but I just think, no, I want to complete it now. So I'm going to try, he says, and have a splurge on it. I tell you what's interesting is that it's got an online mod and I've never even clicked on it. I have zero interest in racing it online. I wouldn't mind to have a go, but I'm quite content. I'm not a big online gamer, so I'm, I'm quite content just racing the computer. The computer is good, and I need to learn not to hit other cars and to slow down a bit more. Well, it does give you the little the time when we're doing time trials. We had a little bit of sort of friendly rivalry going on there. You, me, and an, another friend of ours, Aid, who so we could see our times and all the rest of it. And you know, that's probably enough in this kind of game for me. That you know, where did you finish in this race? Would do. I don't. Or, or give me your ghost car when you race the track in that car, and then I can race against you. I don't need it to be online against you particularly for that. Yeah, I did quite like seeing your scores, and so I could see if my times were better or worse. And it's like, oh no, they beat me. I'm going to have another go. So I think that was fine for me. But I'm, like I said, I'm not a big online gamer. Um, yep. The split screen though on GT7 is rubbish. <laughs> it's me and my son having a go. And to be fair, things like Dirt Five are so much better. Fair enough. Good. Okay. Uh, what's next? Oh yeah, next up, t- tangentially related to the PS5, I've upgraded my storage. I've been watching a piece of storage on Amazon for a number of weeks and it finally hit a price I was getting comfortable with. So I ordered it yesterday, came today, literally at nine o'clock this morning, came through the letterbox 
and I've quickly popped it in. Sony, though, for all their design ingenuity on the PlayStation, taking off the half the case is a bit rubbish. And then you've got to unscrew a little metal panel, which they've got nothing on it really to easily flick it out. And then you've got to unscrew another screw and then stick your, your um, stick in and then screw it back down, put the metal panel back and then slide the plastic panel back on. They could just made that whole process a lot nicer and a bit more user accessible, but installed it, formatted it, happy days. I've now got four, five terabytes in my PlayStation, various types. I am disappointed the PlayStation didn't come with more. It, it doesn't come with enough in my view because me and my son, we both got a few games on it we like. We flip between them. It should have more. Yeah, I agree. It's, it is quite limited for what it is. Saying that, and it's not a cheap device to begin with, is it? Let's face it. It is better than the Xbox. I think the Xbox Series S only has 256 gigs, I think. It's not an awful lot, particularly with Xbox Games Pass there as well, that your inclination is to download and install lots of games. If you wanted a giggle, you could go and have a look, and I'll pop it in the show notes uh, on, on the iFixit guide on how you upgrade the internal storage on an Xbox. So Xboxes want to use external storage, you get a memory card for them. It's probably of a similar price to what you're talking about with with the PlayStation one, and you put it in the, the back. The PlayStation one was about two hundred pounds. Yeah, so it's about that for 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 more. I think it's only a, it's for another terabyte. I think. Yeah, but if you want to replace the internal one, and it looks more like an e, it's it's a short M2 card. Anyway, it's at least a forty minute job if you want to do that on an Xbox Series S. So I think for all your knocking Sony for being making it a little bit difficult to upgrade, I can see from the faces you must be looking at the repair guide. If you want to giggle and you think you're quite good with computers and things like that for replacing stuff, it does not look straightforward at all. Yeah, I, I never like taking devices to pieces because I just worry they won't go back as well. The Sony one, it was just a bit... Like, come on, you could have just made a little slot to put this in and and a door or, or some such. And then when you've actually got it installed... So I've got three ways of three places to put games on my playstation you can use the the ssd that came with it you can use the one i've just installed which is internal and then and they're both fast enough to play playstation 5 games off the bat and then i've got an external usb drive and ssd again and that you can play ps4 games off the bat because it doesn't need to be as fast and you can use it to archive ps5 games but i have hated having to worry about moving data around to free up space to do a download so that's why i've plumped for this extra extra storage and i went for the full two terabytes because i thought if i'm going to do it there's no point buying one terabyte now and then i have to rip it out later i'm not sure if you can get more than two at the moment i think you can get a four terabyte one can you maybe it'd be more money than i would be willing to spend it's a lot four terabytes is a lot i have noticed how much particularly m2 things have been dropping for the older slower storage classes you now get a terabyte for about 62 quid not on the speed that you need to put in one of the next-gen consoles for sure. But it is interesting that the prices of them become down so fast. I upgraded SSDs in my PS4s, both the PS4 Pro and my original PS4 for SSDs because they came with spinning discs back in the day. And that was a decent upgrade. But the throughput of the PS4 was was the slow point for it because it was a SATA interface still. You, you didn't have the faster interfaces that could take advantage of an SSD, even a slow SSD. So it was better. It was certainly quieter because I don't know if you didn't have a PS4. That thing was like a jet engine. I mean, the noise the fans made were just incredible. It does make too much noise, but the cupboard it is in does get a bit warm. I've even taken the back panel off the cupboard just to get a bit more airflow in there. But, but no, it seems okay. I'm, I'm glad I've done it because, like I said, we do have plenty of games and... Yeah, I, th- I think we, we get enough usage out of it. But I kind of actually bought it because I was worried it might disappear and I wouldn't be able to get hold of it for months on end. Because with all the shortages you hear about, 
He's like, well, actually, that's something I want. It's hit a price I'm comfortable with. So I just went for it. So I can talk about one game that I've been playing, not so much this week, but last week. And I don't think I've mentioned it before. Sniper Elite 5 on my Xbox Series S. No, you've not mentioned it. I've played the others, but not this one, because I've got a few of them on the Switch. It's quite a big game on the Switch. So it's it's one of those things that, it's the continual bounty that you get from from the Xbox Game Pass. Is that's a brand new game that dropped, and I just happened to look, and it was there available, you know, for, to freely download on on Xbox. So I did, and gosh, I'm bad at that game. I do quite like the concept of it, and it's really gruesome. If you've got young children, you should not be playing Sniper Elite with with them around. Its sort of gimmick is that if you pull off a particularly impressive headshot, body shot, whatever it is, it sort of flips to an X-ray view, and you see all the damage that the bullet's doing as it goes through the. The, the computer model that you shot so you see bits of splintered brain and bones and livers and you know, testicles in some cases and all the rest of it and that just gets ever more detailed with every release and i've i've played two or three and four i think yeah pretty good game very open world and sandboxy you know if your objective is to go and take it down a radar tower you can be stealthy you can go loud you can you know you set traps for people you can try and it's really quite an impressive thing and the reason i bring it up really is that it's got one of the most interesting game mechanics that i've come across in, in anything really even in your single player game other player if you opt in other players are allowed to jump in and sort of counter sniper you so you get the the sort of trade off is you get extra experience points if you allow this to happen. But another human can randomly drop in, appear like one of and the beat you to the kill. No, no, kill you. It's a counter sniper. He's to stop you doing the mess the mission altogether. So you could spend hours going through the game, and he could come along and kill you. So I just thought that's quite a cool way. It's cool. I wouldn't want any rando to do. I wouldn't mind if it was friends, but um... no, it's any rando. They get points. You get points, and. It's not, you know, it's not like you go right back to the start of the game again, but if you were trying to do it without dying, then you know it's going to be upsetting. But it's quite a nice model, I think, and you don't have to have it. There's a, there's a toggle. You can switch it off. But yeah, not bad. I find I'm best at games where you just make as much noise as you want and shoot everything, whereas the, the ones where you need a bit of skill and grace, I'm not so good at. Yeah, good fun though, and, and nice to get for, it's not for free, because I pay for Xbox Game Pass every month, but I'm quite impressed that such a, a modern game, that new, such a new release game was available. It's about 60 or 70 quid on the PlayStation, so I'm sure you, there's your value right there. Absolutely, I'm, I'm sure it'll come to the PlayStation's version of Game Pass if we ever get it in the UK, I know it's been released in America. but we It comes out now. Now? What's now? Today? I was looking, I was comparing the three different tiers earlier, but I don't know enough about it, I've got, because I already had playstation plus i've just got the basic tier and you what is nice though is you can pay to upgrade it just for the remainder of your contract so that's pretty good i thought that you can have it co-term rather than sign up for a whole new contract and they're not trying to fleece and i was just comparing the options but actually i've got enough games to play i don't think i need anything else so i think that's homework for you for next week is to investigate the playstation tiers and come back to us about is it is it worth it you know are you getting yeah, games that's fair. yeah cool okay i'll make a yeah, little note of that and Good. my last bit on games was just very briefly, I bought Blade Runner for my Nintendo Switch. It's also out on the PlayStation. This was a game done by Westwood Studios that did Command & Conquer back in the 90s at some point. I never played it, but I, I think it was Command & Conquer 1 that came with the trailer for it, or it was Red Alert. So I thought, you know what, it's eight quid on the Switch to buy it. And I thought, that's pretty cheap. So I know it's an old game and it's been remastered, but I thought, yeah, I quite fancy that, so I'm going to have a go at that. Good. You can report back on that as well. Then I'm sure I remember that. That had some full motion video and all that kind of stuff. And is that the one I'm thinking of? It did. Well, 25 years ago, it looked awesome. So I probably looked fine on my Switch. 
I'm sure it'll look great. That, that high resolution screen on your Switch and the, you know the, 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 the serious graphical power that it's got will push it around. No, I, you shouldn't knock that too much. I remember playing, I bought a CD-ROM drive for my PC to play Rebel Assault, which was which was a terrible, terrible, terrible game. It was literally an X-Wing over the top of some stuff captured for the Empire Strikes Back at super low resolution. It looked terrible then, but it was quite fun. Yeah, no, that's that's good to go, go, go investigate those games blast from the past. I mean, we've talked about emulation on this show before. That is a kind of emulation with decent upgrades and stuff. So, no, that's good. Retro gaming for the win. But it's a game I never played, and I always liked the look of it. And I, like I say, for eight quid, I thought I'll give it a go. Good. Great. Okay. A very short main show then, I think. We've spent so long talking about betas and updates and, and actually far more on gaming than I thought we'd do that we'll, uh, we're, we've gone very long. So uh, main show. Okay. So I'm, uh, I've am i got a bit of a complaint really as much as anything else. I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I've been trying to restore this this MacBook to get it up and running again for, for well, not for a member of staff, but for a student to make use of. And it's good that we've still got hardware that's actually usable going back so far. So hand on heart, that's a good thing. But why is it so hard to go to the App Store and download a version of the operating system? If you're running a computer with, say, Monterey, and I go and I want to download Catalina or even Monterey, it just tells me, but you've already got Monterey. Why would you want to download that again? They should surely make ISOs of these things available or DMGs of these things available in a nice, easily accessible place for people to get them. I can theorize why they don't, but it just seems a bit difficult when you want to do this. I suspect what they want to do is make you run the web-based installer when you boot up and you hold down option and you can, it can pull over the internet. But who's got time to wait for that to run over a Wi-Fi connection? Is it what? Yes. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, why didn't you do that? Because that's probably what I would have done now. I used to hate it when I didn't have very good internet, but now I've got such good internet. I'm quite happy putting down a five gig installer or whatever it may be. I, I, maybe it's habit as much as anything. And also in the back of my head, I wasn't sure whether the device would go for the operating system that it came with, which was presumably Catalina or something like that, or would it go for the new hotness if it's never been bought for that machine? You don't need to buy anything now, though, do you? No, 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 no. But you know what I mean. It's not the light. It's not the licensed operating system that it came with. So I, I, I don't know enough about it because I've never done it. Because I always go and find an ISO. And back in the day, I used to use OS X Boot Disk Maker, which would do a, you know, a live. Yeah, yeah, I remember the Boot Disk Maker. Even I used to use that. Yeah, I did eventually figure it. I had to use another machine in the house because obviously this one was running Ventura at that point, which I probably shouldn't. You know, so so getting it to go back and download a version of, of in this case Monterey to get it to install in this thing was harder than it had to be. All I wanted, I even logged into the Apple Developer site to see if I could find an ISO for the current version of Monterey from there. Can't do that because your 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 profile is such in the store that it wants to download the latest thing. I did eventually manage it. It took a bit of jiggery pokery, but it was far harder than it had to be. And then it was a terminal command to actually get it to install to the USB drive to get it to go, which wasn't very hard. It wasn't a big deal. I'm quite, I'm, com I'm comfortable enough in the terminal to get it to do it. But yeah, just harder than it had to be. That MacBook you just mentioned, if it's early 2016, came with Mac OS Sierra and it's got a 480p webcam. So do you reckon that's better or worse than my cinema display or studio display? I didn't try the webcam. I suspect it's probably the same. <laughs> it's on a par. It's a very slow um, computer. Yeah. Yeah, great, great bit of hardware. Shame that the chip's so slow. Yeah, yeah. It, it serves a purpose, and what its purpose is going to be is largely accessing remote desktops and things, so it's more than good enough for that. It doesn't. They don't need to do any intensive computing on it, so it's fine. I just thought the whole experience of going back and doing this was was tricky, so I think the moral of the story is maybe I should have tried the web-based installer and see if, it, see if that would have worked any better. Maybe there's, like, if you become an Apple-certified 
I don't know what their terminology is, professional to a you know fix that maybe you get log into the equivalent of a developer center and you can go and get these images. But I always remember making a USB drive in the past because you can then blitz the hard drive, you know, reformat it, do the install, and you just do it off the USB key. And like I say, when internet was a lot slower, that made a lot more sense. Yeah, I guess my theory as to why they don't make them available is, is to try and slow down the Hackintosh movement, that they want to pull down the Intel versions of them and then people crack them open to, you know, to put on various Intel bits of hardware. Or well, non- you're more in control of the, the supply chain of the installer, aren't you, if you can only do it in your one way? Yeah, I suppose so. I still don't like it very much, though. If you think, how many operating systems have we installed in our lives, be it Linux or Windows or Mac or whatever? And it's always been quite straightforward to, you know, get the ISO, stick it on a disk and, and install it. And I, just, I, the Apple, you know, seasoned Apple person that I am, I still find this frustrating that it doesn't work in the way I expect it to, that every other operating system works in. Make a USB, it's dead easy to do it. You hold down a button and you install it and off you go. And at the end of the day, I did do that, but it was just harder than I had to be. I wonder if they don't want you downloading the, you know, the, the, the source of the installer in case some people downloads it, injects something into it, re-uploads it. And you're then installing something with malware or something malicious baked into it, because that can happen too, I guess. Sure, sure. And but and that I, I suspect that probably is what ha- what's happened because if you go to about the fourth link down on Google and how to create a USB install disk, you'll find somebody who's got some dodgy link somewhere saying their version of Monterey or their version of Big Sur. And why with the hell would you install that when it when it's gone? But I suspect there are people who have hacktoshes who or whatever. Who are doing that and you think it's that's it's almost a risk you'd rather have the officially blessed one that definitely doesn't have it than you know some potentially remit and it's probably fine i'm sure they wouldn't be as i'm sure they wouldn't be as high up in google search results if they were completely legitimate because they never surface anything that's not meant to be there so it, you know it just makes me slightly uncomfortable yeah i i agree but they've been doing it for years haven't they they have been doing it for years. But fun to play with an old MacBook. I'd forgotten just how dreadful that keyboard was. Now we've got much better ones again as well. That was the first one of the butterflies, if you recall, that came along. I think it was in that one or certainly the MacBook Pro that came out at the same time. No, no, it was that one because that birthed the butterfly keyboard. Yeah. And strangely, all the keys were fine. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it? Anyway, yeah. So that was my thought on why is downloading and installing an older version of the operating system so hard. And then my second thing for a main show and i know you've you're not long after buying a new tv is that there is a big white spot appeared on the, the good tv in the house and it looks like i'm gonna have to replace it soon so it was just the whole experience really of trying to find what is the tv of the moment you should buy for the price you want to pay for the specs that you want and why is it so hard yeah i hated this when i had to do it because i was like right i want a tv i'm going to spend some money i wanted a 65 inch 4k tv that was my requirement and i wanted oled knew I wanted OLED because I didn't get up my previous TV. I really wanted OLED. So it's like, where do you go? And then there's so many different models and so many different price points. And it's like, what is the, you kind of want to know, what is the definitive TV to go and buy? I don't know about you, but I wasn't fussed about any of the extras, like the built-in Google Assistant, the Alexa, the apps. I have not used any of the apps on my TV. I just wanted a good TV, happy the little firmware update. I bought mine. When did I buy mine? I bought mine in June last year. So literally a year and two days old. And I was really cheesed off because six months after I bought it, I had 500 pounds off it on the Black Friday sale. So have you ordered one? I haven't ordered yet. Amazon Prime Day is coming in, in the next couple of weeks. So I thought I'll just, I'll, I'll hold a little bit and I'll live with the white spot and see if it doesn't get any worse at this point. But I'm the same as you. I've, I've sort of got a minimum spec in my mind that I want 65 inch. I want OLED as well in this case. 
I want something that will do 120 hertz because I've got a PlayStation under it now and I want something that's going to have a fast enough refresh rate that it's good for gaming. And that that starts limiting you down to what's out there. But even then, you've got the new version or you've got last year's version and you seem to have three or four model numbers that are more or less the same sort of spec. And I don't want that. I just want an arrow pointing to me to go, no, that's the one for you. It might it costs this much money. It's this way. There's a couple of deals in it. Buy it. And it just seems so hard. Or, you know, actually you want the Sony one, sorry, the Philips one, because it's got Ambulate and it's got things, but I don't want the things behind it. Oh yeah, but it's the same panel, because we know that all panels effectively come from two manufacturers. You either get a Samsung panel or you get an LG panel. And all the rest of it is just window dressing. So it, it, this happens to be a Samsung TV that I'm, I'm looking at replace, so I'm kind of off them at the moment, because the big white spots appeared after. I think the TV is maybe six years old at a push, probably five years old. Hasn't lasted as long as I would have hoped. It is what it is, you know. It's it's, it's a good excuse. Is it four K? It is four K. It is four K. It's a good TV. Though. It's not a bad TV. It, it's got a couple of frustrating things about it. Only one of the ports appears to support one of the HDMI ports supports HDR, probably four hundred or something like that. So if you've got the Apple TV input on, which is the one I've got it on, and I got the PlayStation Five input, all the colors wash out because it doesn't support the HDR profile. So you actually need to go back to the normal television input and then flick back to the PlayStation input. So there's little frustrations like that. And I mean, that's annoying, but I can live with it. And I have lived with it for years now because it actually did it with the PlayStation 4 as well. It's, there's something about the Apple TV and the HDR input on the HDMI port that, that messes it up for the rest of it. So that's less than ideal. So I cocked up when I bought mine. I spent ages worrying about the number of HDMI ports. But in the end, I should just worry about one HDMI port because I put an amp on it with all the HDMI switching in it and surround sound. But I was buying it in stages to space out the, the amount of money I was spending. But in hindsight, should have always bought it all, saved up and bought it all in one go, which was what I should have done. But about six months later, I bought the amp and the speakers. When I had when the family had COVID, actually, I got it all delivered because oh, I'm at home, I've got time to wire it all in and do, do a good job. So that's where I ended up with it. But it's tricky. And how many HDMIs do you need? And do you want Ethernet? And you know how many ports have 2.1 because when i was buying mine very few had 2.1 and like i say in, in hindsight i needed one with it because i'm running it through my amp and i had to make sure that my amp had supported 2.1 and 120 hertz yeah and then it's the other thing like presumably i now need to upgrade all my cables you know because the hdmi 2.1 standard is a different cable so you need to buy new cables you know blah 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 blah. so it's a whole process it's not just a matter of swapping out a tv it's it's all the other things that go with it and as you've said about the amp now i don't have an amp i've got a sonos beam that sits underneath it because it's more it's more decoration friendly, let's say, to, you know, to, it's more acceptable. I have that in our other lounge. Yeah, it's more acceptable. So we've got a techie, techie lounge and a non-techie lounge. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a loudspeaker downstairs in the man cave because nobody cares apart from me down there. But um, the, for the purposes of this, it's got to go through the beam. So, so it needs arc, it needs audio return channel and so on, it's beam for that to work properly. New cables, I'm not bothered with the amplifier. And I'd quite like to tidy up what's behind there. Four HDMI ports is enough for me, really, you know, for, for, for the inputs I've got, so I don't need, need the amplifier. So, yeah, that's where I am. I've got it narrowed down to two now, an LG one and a Sony one. That's the same panel in both of them. 2.1 has the screen. I will say my last experience of Sony televisions was not great. They take so long to turn on, warm up, and get to the point where you're, you can change the input or watch something. I find it incredibly off-putting. We've got two Sony TVs and one LG. The LG is the newest one. It's amazing. Sony's may well have changed since I bought mine. They're very old now. But I was very. I used to buy Sony's because they looked great. I thought I was buying a premium product. Very disappointed with it. But I'll be honest, I barely use any of the TV. I just wanted the right panel. And actually, the rest of the TV doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am. I think, and I, I'm like I'm with you. I don't really want any of the features of the TV. Although I think we talked about this before. I have another LG, newer LG over there, and it does support 4K on iPlayer, which the Apple TV doesn't. Because my approach to this has been, I don't want any of the inbuilt stuff because I've got an Apple TV or I've got an Xbox or I've got whatever it is connected to it that I'm going to be you know using those services with. But actually, there is some benefit in some of those services when when they are kept updated for the TV. Maybe I should try the Apple TV app on on that LG TV actually, just to see if it's as good as the one that comes with the Apple TV. Maybe it's better. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. So, so what what models have you narrowed it down to? Oh, it's the C one. Is what everybody calls it. Is the is the one that I'm interested in. There's a it's an LG blah 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 C one, and then sixty five or seventy seven or fifty five or whatever size it is for the TV I've gone for. So the C one is sort of the next generation of TV that's got the good signal processor. It's got two point one. It's got one hundred and twenty words. I'll get the exact model number and I'll put it in the in the show notes if people are interested in what it is. So it's that, or do you just spring for the C two, which is this year's version, which has a few updates and things like that. It's got a different stand. Oh, I don't know, actually. The stands are a nightmare, isn't it? I do get annoyed when they sell a sub, they sell a, a bar with them, and the bar is taller than the height of the bottom bezel off the off the base, basically. And the subwoofer is going to get in the way. They look good models. Um, and what, what about the sub? I, I don't have it to hand. I mean, the, <laughs> I bet it's got an awful part code. I'll have some, and, and this is a, a sort of a, a broader piece, actually, is that all of these things are, are called something like, you know, LG C1 65 you know, and they've all got some unimpenetrable part number, and it would be much better if they just said 2020 C, you know, C1 65 done. You know, that that's all I need to know about it. The screen size is important. The year it came out is important, and you know, one other thing perhaps. So you don't just the the the, the skews. You know, the, the the way that they build these things, I, I just I do find it impenetrable, and they could make it an awful lot easier. Oh, I completely agree. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah, it's and an L- the C2 has four 2.1. Here we go. Here's the model number. It's an LG OLED 65C14LB65. So that's the exact model I'm looking at. That, that just leapt off the tongue, didn't it? And Or 77, if you wanted the 77-inch one. And it has a, Gen, it has a Gen 4 processor, apparently, which is the new hotness in the thing. And there's not that much difference from what I've been able to see so far in the C1 and the C2, except £1,000. So I'm kind of tempted to go for the C1 just because it's got pretty much everything the C2 does and it's a £1,000 cheaper. I think if you're only buying it for the panel, then you probably don't want all the other stuff. Exactly. You know, it's it's extraneous to me. Unless if they could say something was an awful lot better, it was brighter or blacker blacks or whatever is the thing that was sort of the real difference between them. But I haven't seen any of those in the in the reviews that I've I've looked at so far anyway. So I'm just looking at the C2 on Amazon's website and I love it. It goes buy it with so you buy the LG 65 inch C2, buy it with an LG 43 inch and a mounting arm. So do many people buy two TVs and one mounting arm? I it seems thought, a bit of a oh, AI gone wrong. I wouldn't have thought so. So, and just for to, to so I don't follow up next week, the Sony version of it is the Sony A90J OLED, which is a much snappier number to be fair, but doesn't make an awful lot of sense. But that is the same panel that's in the LG C1. So, yeah, that, it's down to those two really, and. I'm already leaning towards the LG just because of my experience with Sony's in the past. But let's see what Prime Days brings and let's see how much longer my panel lasts with its big white bloom that's appeared in the middle of it. I would definitely wait for Prime Day. I've bought stuff before and gone, why don't I wait for Prime Day? Because I think they won't drop the price and then you, you get to Prime Day and it can be quite upsetting. Yep. Good. 
So I'll report back on that as it goes and how much an HDMI 2.1 cable costs me and how all that fits in as and when I get to that point. But I think that'll do us for a show. Buying TVs is hard, though. Buying TVs is hard. Buying many things is hard. But you know. Principal problem. Hopefully they'll be in stock. Well, that is a whole different thing. Hopefully the C1 that's been around for a little bit. I suspect the C2 might be harder to get hold of. Looking on Amazon's site, actually quite a lot seem to be in stock. Like I said, with that SSD I was buying, you know, kind of rushed in the end to get it because I thought, actually, I just want, I know what I want. I don't want to go out of stock or go up in price. Yep. You kind of want to just get on with it, don't you? We live in a different world now. We do. It was a good show. And uh, if anyone wants to get in contact, do drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or reach out on Twitter at WFS underscore podcast. Love to hear from you. Talk to you next week, Chris. Cheers, Rod. Have a good one.